0: Bunk Podcast. We hope this message encourages and inspires you today. Happy Sunday, everyone! It's nice to see all of you here. To those people joining us here in the Assembly Hall and the people on YouTube and on Facebook, again, happy Sunday! Thank you for being with us. Uh, my name is Bodhi. I'm one of the pastors here in Victory, and today I'm preaching in the place of Pastor Ariel, who happens to be here. Hey, Pastor Ariel! Thank you for the privilege to preach. And we are continuing our series entitled, Awesome God. Can you say that with me? Say awesome. I hope that you could say the same about this year as well. We're two weeks into the year 2021, and I hope that it has been going well for you. In fact, for the people on Facebook and YouTube, in one word, share in the comment section, how has your 2021 been so far? Two weeks into the year, it's the perfect time to bring out our planners and not just our planners but also our Bibles because we believe that as we plan for the year, it's really best to ask God where He wants us to go. And now is really the perfect time to do so. Let's do it all together. Tomorrow, as Pastor JJ has mentioned, we are going to begin our five-day prayer, fasting, and consecration. Victory is part of a global movement called every nation, and every start of the year, we make it a point to come together as a church to fast. And when we talk about fasting, we don't just talk about setting aside food, but we also make a commitment to pray earnestly. That's why we'd like to invite all of you and you here in the assembly hall to join us for our 12 noon and 7 p.m. prayer meetings. Those prayer meetings are going to happen online, on Facebook, and on YouTube. And if you haven't downloaded our fasting manuals, you can do so at victory.org.ph fasting 2021. We are really excited. You know, we are going to be praying for our church. We are going to be praying for the Philippines, the other nations. We are going to be praying for the next generation and, of course, our personal breakthroughs. So do join us. We are excited. Invite your friends to join us as well. And, you know, this start of the year, a lot of us are really Excited? Can you say that? Can you say that? That you're really excited, that you're expectant, that you are hopeful for the great things that God is going to do. Come on, let's give Him praise. We are all expectant. But if you would agree with me, in light of recent events as well, we have been seeing a lot of people who are clamoring for change. And when we talk about change, it's not just the change in diet or in bad habits that we usually do in the beginning of the year people are clamoring for change when it comes to leadership, when it comes to the justice system, when it comes to um, the policies and the protocols. People are demanding change because they want to experience peace. I know, as the people of God, when issues like this arise, we know that we are called to come together and to lift all of these issues up in prayer to God. But, Following God, we know also very well that when we ask Him to change something, His ways are far different than what we can imagine. And when we ask Him to change our situation, when we ask Him to change the attitude of our family member or our boss, when we ask Him to change our government leaders, He starts a change in us as well, in our hearts. God changes us so that he can bring about change. Now, when we know God, we know that he is all-knowing, we know that he is all-powerful. And the truth of the matter is, he does not need us to bring about change. But God, in his perfect wisdom, God, in his magnificent power, chooses to use his people, us, the church, to bring about change in our schools, in our offices, in our homes, in this nation, in this broken world. And you know, as we talk about that, a lot of people would be overwhelmed. A lot of people would say, wait, Lord, why me? Why would you use me? I, I'm scared. I don't have anything to offer. I'm, I'm a nobody. I don't have power. I don't have influence. Why me, Lord? And that was probably what Gideon felt when he had an encounter with God. You see, Gideon, he was in hiding and he thought that he was in perfect peace because he was hiding. But it wasn't until he truly knew who God is. It wasn't until he stepped out of his comfort zone. It wasn't until he embraced God's plans and purposes for his life that He experienced true and lasting peace. And who among you here would want to experience that true and lasting peace? I'm sure all of us, including you in your homes. And we ask, how can I experience this peace? I'd like to invite you to open your Bibles in Judges chapter 6. And we will be reading from verses 11 to 16. And then we'll skip to 22 to 24. I'll be reading from the ESV version. We are going to read about God's encounter with Gideon. I'd like to invite the people here in our main hall to stand up, to give reverence to the Word of God. I'll start reading right now, Judges 6, verse 11. Now the angel of the Lord came and sat under the terebinth at Ophrah, which belonged to Joash the Abysserite, while his son Gideon was beating out wheat in the winepress to hide it from the Midianites. Verse 12, and the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, The Lord is with you, O mighty man of valor. And Gideon said to him, Please, my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? And where are all his wonderful deeds that our fathers recounted to us, saying, Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and given us into the hand of Midian. And the Lord turned to him and said, Go in this might of yours and save Israel from the hand of Midian. Do not I send you. And Gideon said to him, Please, Lord, how can I save Israel? Behold, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. And the Lord said to him, But I will be with you, and you shall strike the Midianites as one man. We skip to verse 22. It says, Then Gideon perceived that he was the angel of the Lord. And Gideon said, Alas, O Lord God, for now I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. But the Lord said to him, Peace be to you. Do not fear, you shall not die. Then Gideon built an altar there to the Lord and called it, The Lord is Peace. To this day, it still stands at Ophrah, which belongs to the Abyssalites. That is the word of the Lord for us today. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you. Thank you for your presence in our lives and we thank you for your word that continues to speak to us, continues to comfort us, direct us, and encourage us. Lord, we welcome your presence and we ask, Holy Spirit, that you be our teacher today. Open our minds, open our hearts, allow us to receive the word that you have for us, a personal word, And Lord, we are believing that each one of us will be transformed as we encounter you. Do not allow this service to end without you changing our hearts and aligning it with yours. Work mightily in our lives and use us mightily for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may now take your seats. Wonderful story of Gideon, one of my favorites. Last week, as we opened our series, Pastor Ariel talked about the encounter of Moses with God in the burning bush. And today we talk about the encounter of Gideon with God in the threshing floor, which resulted to transformation, not just for Gideon, but for the nation of Israel. The encounter was set in a wine press where Gideon was hiding, and God visited him there. Now our question is, why was Gideon hiding? And who was he hiding from? You see, during that time, the Israelites were actually being bullied, were being oppressed by the Midianites. The Midianites were an evil group that allowed the Israelites to plant the crops, take care of it, even the livestock. But when the time of harvest came, that's when the Midianites would come in and they would plunder the Israelites. They would take everything and leave nothing for those who worked so hard. Talk about injustice, right? And as we look around, we are seeing, we are experiencing a lot of injustice. Not just the big ways, but even in the little ways. Can you imagine if you are a student and you are working on a project for how many weeks you spent, you know, up to the wee hours of the morning just to finish it? And then all of a sudden, someone takes credit for it. That's so frustrating. Or probably you're a salesperson and you reached out to a client, you prepared the presentation, you did the sales pitch, and towards the end, one of your group mates just swooped in and closed the deal. That was the type of injustice that the Israelites were experiencing even more for seven years. Now, that is the reason why Gideon was actually beating out wheat in the wine press to hide it from the Midianites. Now, a lot of us would say, what was actually Gideon doing? What does it mean to beat wheat in the wine press. You know, beating wheat, that is the process of separating the wheat from the shaft. It reminds me of when I was a kid. Uh, our manang used to have a bilao and the rice would be there and she would toss the rice up in the air and as she tosses up in the air, before she catches it, I would see powder residue being blown out and then she catches the rice again and then she would take out all of the impurities until it's just the rice that remains there. That is the process of separation. And you see, this process was usually done outdoors, preferably on a hilltop where there would be a breeze so that when you throw the wheat or the rice up in the air, the impurities would be blown away. Doing it indoors, excuse me for the word, was kind of dumb. It would make your work harder. But that was what Gideon was doing. The picture of Gideon here was like probably a student being bullied eating his lunch inside a restroom cubicle because he was scared. He was trying to avoid the people who were mocking him. But then the, when the bullies would see that student, you know, all the more they would laugh at him, all the more they would mock him and they would call them names. Probably a loser, a coward, a was And that's probably how Gideon viewed himself as well. That's why he was living his life in hiding. But Once he had that encounter with God, Gideon was transformed. He was transformed from being a cowardly man to being a courageous man. And today, that's what we are going to talk about. We are going to talk about five things that we receive from a God encounter. First thing, an encounter with God shifts our perspective. In Judges 6.12, it says, And the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon and said to him, The Lord is with you, O mighty man of valor. Mighty man of valor. Who? If we look at the dictionary, valor actually means heroic courage, boldness, determination, in facing great danger, especially in battle. And with his current position, with what he's doing, we know that Gideon was far from that. He was actually in hiding. So probably when the angel of the Lord said, mighty man of valor, Gideon probably looked around to check, who is he talking to? Is he talking to me? And when he saw that he was alone, he probably thought, mighty man of valor, are you joking? Are you mocking me? And these words were said not to mock him, but to inspire him. The angel of the Lord was giving Gideon a new perspective. The angel of the Lord was telling him how God saw him. You see, God sees us not just for who we are at the moment. When God sees us, He sees who we could be when we surrender to Him. Again, when God sees us, He does not just see who we are. He sees who we could be when we surrender to Him. God saw Gideon's potential and He always sees our potential. Gideon might have seen himself as a coward, as a loser, as a nobody. And probably the people around him saw him for the same way. But God was determined to transform Gideon. He was going to transform Gideon to be a man filled with courage, filled with bravery. And when we talk about these things, a lot of you might ask, Lord, will you really transform me? Will you really change me? Let's remember there is nothing impossible with God. Just earlier this week, I was talking with one of the guys from my small group. By the way, for those of you who are watching, if you don't know anyone in church, we actually meet within the week. We grow together as a church community. We help each other know Jesus more. You can sign up for that. We will be more than happy to connect you with a group. You can go to victoryalabang.church slash connect, and we'd be more than happy to contact you. So go go ahead and do that right now. Again, going back, one of the guys from my group was sharing to me that Before, his family used to view him, actually call him as the black sheep of the family. He brought nothing but headaches. But then the past two years, he started taking his relationship with Jesus seriously. He surrendered to Jesus. He allowed Jesus to work in his heart. And right now, his family is already seeing the changes that have been happening in his life. Every time they gather now, he is no longer referred to as the black sheep. They actually jokingly, Call him the pastor of the family. A 180-degree turnaround. And you know, just like him and just like Gideon, God can transform each and every one of us. God can change the way we view ourselves. God can change the way that other people view us. As we understand how God sees us, we should not allow what other people say about us to dictate the way we make decisions, to dictate our actions and the way we live our lives. We should always go back to who God says we are and act accordingly. A lot of us here might have been given names growing up and it kind of stuck with you. Probably you've been called a cheater, a liar, adulterer, homewrecker, lazy, hopeless, useless, a drunkard, an addict. And you feel that That cannot change anymore. Let me tell you this. God can give you a new identity. God can transform you if only you would allow him to. Let's remember, Matthew was a plunderer. Paul was a murderer. But God turned everything around. God wants to work in your life right now. God wants to transform you. Will we allow him to? As we read the next verse, we will see what was in Gideon's heart we will see what was in Gideon's mind. Just as God gave gave him a new perspective with the way he views himself, God was also going to give him a new perspective with the way he viewed everything that was happening around him. In Judges 6.13, it says, And Gideon said to him, Please, my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? And where are all his wonderful deeds that our fathers recounted to us, saying, Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and given us into the hand of Midian. Gideon was probably thinking, first, you refer to me as a mighty man of valor, which I do not agree with. Now, you're telling me that the Lord is with us. The Lord is with me, which I don't agree with as well. Do you see our current situation? We are being oppressed by the Midianites. We are experiencing injustice. If the Lord was with us, why did he allow all of these things to happen to us? We see that Gideon was not just fearful. He wasn't just troubled. He was actually dismayed. He was dismayed at the Lord. He was frustrated at the Lord. Why did you allow all of these things to happen? And you know, God was about to change his perspective when it comes to that. Gideon felt helpless. He felt hopeless. He could not find peace anywhere. Now, like Gideon, a lot of us, when we are experiencing troubles, when we are experiencing problems and challenges, most of us are quick to conclude that God has left us and forgotten about us. Would you agree with that? We are quick to conclude, I'm experiencing a problem. God God has forsaken me. But you know what? The Lord, repetitively, time and time again, continued to remind His people, the Israelites, in the books of Deuteronomy, In the book of Joshua and even in Judges, he said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And that word remains true up to this very day. We might be experiencing challenges and trials, but the Lord has never forsaken us. His promise stands for everyone who would put their trust in Him. Now we go back to Gideon. If God was truly with them, why did God allow all of those things to happen to them? If we go and read the earlier verses, we would see that before God had an encounter with Gideon, he actually sent a prophet to explain to Israel why they were in that situation. It was actually because of their disobedience. The book of Judges is all about the cycle of the Israelites. They were oppressed. God would faithfully, you know, just come deliver them and save them. They would worship him for a time, and then after a while, they would go and find other gods to worship. They were in their situation because of their disobedience. How many times has that happened to us? We go our own way. We ignore what God is asking us to do. And then when something bad happens, Lord, why did you allow this to happen? When in fact, we were the ones who ran into that situation. It wasn't that God turned his back on the Israelites. It was the Israelites that turned their back on God. Just like what we do. The beautiful thing is even... When we turn our back on Him, He never gives up on us and He never turns His back on us. He continues to watch over us. That's why, you know, as we are experiencing problems, let's always go back to the promise of God. He will never leave us nor forsake us. God's presence is assured, not by the absence of problems, but by His faithfulness to His promises. Again, God's presence is assured, not by the absence of problems, but by His faithfulness to His promises. I will never leave you nor forsake you. The Lord is reminding each and every one of us right now, whatever it is that you are facing, I am with you. I have never left you. God is assuring us of His daily presence in our lives. And as He assures us, it's not for us to just be in hiding, just to lie down and wait for things to happen. He assures us of His presence because He wants us to stand up And He wants us to act. We won't be passive when it comes to our faith. As we ask for His help, we also say, Lord, I am ready. And, you know, as He shifts our perspective, the second thing, an encounter with God breathes fresh purpose. Again, an encounter with God breathes fresh purpose. In Judges 6.14, it says, And the Lord turned to him and said, Go in this might of yours and save Israel from the hand of Midian. Do not I send you. Aside from calling Gideon a mighty man of valor, the Lord also gave him a new and overwhelming, a big assignment, which he never imagined. He was actually asked to be in the front lines to lead an army to defeat the Midianites. A far cry from what he was doing. Gideon was just beating wheat. I would not even say in the sidelines, way, way behind, he was in hiding. But God had a mission. He had a purpose for Gideon. And I am 100% sure that Gideon wanted to be delivered from the Israelites, from the Midianites, I mean. He wanted the Israelites to be delivered from the Midianites, but he never imagined that he would be part of it. He probably thought that a great warrior would come and a great sword and would kill the evil leader of the Midianites. He probably thought that, a big army would come to save them and would annihilate all of the Midianites. Again, he was just going to be a spectator. I doubt if he will even watch it. I'm pretty sure that he would be hiding in his home. But then again, God called him to be in the front line, which was really surprising. God cast him as the hero of the story and he probably thought, is this a prank? I don't see how that will happen. And people around him would probably laugh when they heard that. God had a mission for Gideon. Gideon might have felt helpless. He might have felt hopeless. He might have felt useless. But God gave him a new purpose for his life. One that would bring meaning to it. A purpose that would make a great impact. A purpose that would bring about the change that he was asking for, not just for his life, but for the nation of Israel. And just like Gideon let me tell you, our lives have a purpose too. Again, it's important to remind ourselves our lives have a purpose. We're not just to sit around and think of what's comfortable for us. We are to do what God is asking us to do. And this purpose is something bigger than us. This purpose is something that would bring about change, that would make an impact. And this purpose can only come from our Creator and that is God. It cannot come from anyone else. So the starting point of knowing our purpose is knowing our great and awesome God. You know, um, when we talk about our purpose as well, God always assigns something bigger than us. We would all usually think, Lord, I don't think I can do that. Let's remember that God called Moses out of the desert to lead the Israelites going from, from Egypt to the promised land. God gave Joshua, a new mission. Joshua was a young leader, but he was called to be the commander of the army who would conquer the promised land. God was the one who called Gideon to put together an army and to lead it to defeat the Midianites and everyone who would go against them. God was the one who called a shepherd boy, David, to be the king of Israel. As we look at this man, these men are inexperienced. But they were able to do great things as they surrendered to the purposes and the will of God in their lives. All they had to do was to say yes to God's plans and purposes. And God has a mighty plan for each and every one of us too. He can use us mightily. All we have to do is to give Him the yes. Now when we receive our mission, what we usually look at is ourselves. Let's remember that instead of asking what we can do, Let's ask what God can do through us. When you receive a mission, instead of focusing on what you can do, focus on what God can do through us. Gideon was quick to push this mission away, saying, Lord, you know that I belong to the weakest tribe. And in my tribe, in my family, I'm the weakest. Lord, lampako. How can I lead an army? How can I fight? Can you just get someone more experienced, someone with a big body, a warrior, someone who has had experience in the army? I cannot do that. When we talk about missions and assignments, men would always look at skill set. But God has a different criteria when he comes, when he decides to put someone in a certain position. God chooses not based on our ability, but our availability. Again, God chooses not based on our ability, even if you feel that you're not up for it. God chooses based on availability. All He's asking for is our yes. I remember what Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 27 to 29. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not to bring to nothing things that are so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. God chooses the weak, the powerless, the foolish, so that His glory can shine through us. So that we wouldn't be the ones to take the glory, it will be glory to God, not glory to us. And again, God has a purpose, He has a mission for you, and all He's asking for is your yes, and He will do the rest. And the encouraging thing here is that when God gives us a mission, He will not leave us alone to do it. He will actually be with us every step of the way. As God shifts our perspective, as God breathes a fresh purpose, an encounter with God also charges us with unlimited power. In Judges 6, 14-16, it says, And the Lord turned to Gideon and said to him, Go in this might of yours and save Israel from the hand of Midian. Do not I send you. And the Lord said to him, but I will be with you and you shall strike the Midianites as one man. As God gave Gideon this mission, he also assured that Gideon would have everything that he needed to be able to succeed in this assignment. Whether it was wisdom, strength, or power, God would supply it in abundance. Gideon looked at his weaknesses, not his strengths. And you know, us, when we look at weaknesses, I'm sure that all of you would agree that it's kind of a bad thing, weakness. But you know, when we talk about weaknesses, it can actually be a good thing when we include God in the equation. Again, I would like to read one of the things that Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians this time. It says in chapter 12, verses 9 and 10, But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. God's power is made perfect in our weakness. And when we look at our weaknesses, our limitations, it should never stop us from fulfilling God's mission in our lives, from pursuing it. In fact, God always gives us missions that should go up beyond our limitations because our limitations are an invitation for us to depend on Him. So that, And as we depend on Him, as we say, Lord, I can't, that is when His power, His unlimited and matchless power would flow through us and would allow us to accomplish the impossible. We cannot accomplish the impossible with our own power. We have to do it with the power of God. Acknowledging our weaknesses. That is the start of us experiencing God's unlimited power in our lives. If you are strong, God's power will not be able to flow through us. Again, acknowledging our weaknesses is the starting point of experiencing God's amazing and unlimited power in our lives. That's why we can say, Lord, you know, there are many stories in the Bible where we see that God empowered. Ordinary men and women who seemed inadequate. He empowered them to do extraordinary things. Moses was able to part the Red Sea. David was able to beat Goliath. The disciples were able to do the great things that Jesus did as well. Making the lame walk, making the blind see, healing lepers, and raising people from the dead. And all that was done through the power of God that was at work in them. When we say, I can't, God says, I can. Let us. Again, when we say, I can't, God says, I can. And he invites us. Let us do it. When we talk about empowering, I'm always reminded of the stories of our cross-cultural missionaries. You know, again, as I mentioned a while ago, we are part of a movement called Every Nation, and it is our heart to fulfill the Great Commission to go out there in every nation and preach the gospel to the ends of the earth. That is why, by faith, we raise leaders to send out to the nations so that they can reach out to the people there and preach the gospel. And I'm sure that you would agree with me that it's not the easiest decision to make to leave your country, to leave your family, to go to a foreign land where No one will probably understand you when it comes to language and culturally speaking. And, you know, on top of that, you worry about where am I going to get the funds? What am I going to do when I get there? What will be my work? Where will I stay? Who will I talk to? Who will help me out? How will I reach out to the people there with the language barrier? And if I may share with you, we also send cross-cultural missionaries to nations where they can get imprisoned when they talk about Jesus. Again, it's not the easiest thing to say yes to that. And it's really, you know, it's really difficult, it's dangerous. It can be lonely at times, but every time we talk to them, every time we want to encourage them, the truth of the matter is we are the ones who are encouraged by their stories. Once they start sharing, it's not about the problems. The problems are not the things that they highlight. It is always the power of God that is displayed through the challenges that they face. They share stories of how God connected people who would support them financially, of how God connected them with people who would help them there, guide them, give them work, give them a place to stay, of how God would connect them to people that they can reach out to and how God opens hearts even with the language barrier. And, you know, they share stories about miracles, signs, and wonders that they are able to do as they put their trust in God. When God calls us, He always gives us the power to succeed in our assignments. He provides, he empowers, and at the same time, he protects. As he sends us out, as he shifts our perspective, as he breathes a fresh purpose, as he charges us with unlimited power, an encounter with God also assures our protection. When Gideon heard all the things that God shared with him, he was so overwhelmed and he wanted to make sure, Lord, Am I really talking to you? That's why he told the angel of the Lord to wait. He prepared an offering. He brought an animal sacrifice. And you know, when he went back, the angel of the Lord consumed that by fire and suddenly disappeared. And that was when Gideon said, I actually met the Lord face to face. And you know, when he realized that, he, he feared for his life because you know seeing the Lord face to face, that would mean death. But in Judges 6.23, The Lord says to him, Peace be to you. Do not fear. You shall not die. His encounter with the Lord assured Gideon protection. But not only that, his encounter with the Lord assured him life. Gideon was initially troubled. He was fearful. He felt inadequate. He felt dismayed, defeated, helpless, hopeless, and useless. There was clearly no peace in Gideon's life with everything happening around him and everything happening in his heart. And the truth of the matter is when he had an encounter with God, he was probably expecting encouraging words. But then when the Lord told him about the mission, it had the potential to overwhelm him all the more and stress him out all the more. But the complete opposite happened. When he met the angel of the Lord, he was given perfect peace aside from the assurance of our protection, an encounter with God grants us perfect peace. Judges 6.24 says, Then Gideon built an altar there to the Lord and called it, The Lord is Peace. Shalom. To this day, it stands at Ofra, which belongs to the Abyssalites. We started the story with Gideon in hiding. And Gideon thought that peace could be found in hiding running away from troubles, escaping problems. But he soon found out that that is not the way to find peace. You see, peace isn't found by running from challenges, but by stepping into the will of God, no matter how challenging it is. Peace isn't found by running or escaping from our problems and challenges. Peace is found by stepping into the will of God No matter how dangerous it seems, I always say this peace is not the absence of troubles or problems. Peace is being in the presence of God. And that was what God assured Gideon of. Gideon thought that, you know, he was troubled because of many things. He was confused about who he was, he thought he was defeated. But the Lord shifted his perspective, saying that you are a mighty man of valor, you are a victorious man. Do not feel that you are a victim. But I believe that that is what he's reminding us of right now. You might be lying down, feeling beaten up, feeling victimized because of everything that's happening around us. Let me tell you this, in Jesus Christ, we are victorious. And Gideon felt paralyzed. He felt that he could not do anything about his situation to change it. But then the Lord breathed in fresh purpose and the Lord supplied him with the faith. The Lord supplied him with the power. The Lord supplied him with the protection and the peace that he needed to fulfill this mission. As Gideon encountered God, all of his troubles, all of his fears, all of his anxieties were washed away by God's assuring presence. The simple words, I will be with you, brought him peace. And I encourage you to continue reading the story of Gideon. Beautiful story. He eventually stepped out of his comfort zone. He, he led an army to beat the Midianites and more than the Midianites, everyone who stood against Israel, he led that army to beat them all through the power of God. Gideon, who began as a cowardly man in hiding, was transformed as he pursued the purposes of God. As he knew God, he was transformed to become a mighty man of valor. All that because he said yes to the invitation of the angel of the Lord to surrender to God and to fulfill his purposes. Now, talking about the angel of the Lord, many believe that the angel of the Lord wasn't just an ordinary angel. Because if it were, then why would Gideon fear for his life? People believe that the angel of the Lord is actually an instance of Jesus Christ in the Old Testament. And it was the angel of the Lord that allowed Gideon to enjoy and experience the presence of God that brought him peace. You know, left to ourselves, we would not be able to come into the presence of God, much less experience it because of our sins. That's why we are so grateful, because we have an awesome God, not just when it comes to power, not just when it comes to wisdom, but also when it comes to love. He made a way for us to be able to experience the presence of God. The presence of God that washes away all of our worries, all of our fears, our troubles, our anxieties. It says in Romans 5.1, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ came down from heaven to earth. He took our sins and He took it to the cross took the punishment, the death to be able to pay for it. And as he died and resurrected again, he promises us the same resurrection. He promises us the same life. He promises us the same victory. Jesus has the title Prince of Peace and he's truly the one who brings peace to Gideon and to us this very day. He gives us peace with God so that we can experience peace within us and peace with everything that is happening around us. A lot of people try to find peace in situations or in things, but let's remember, peace is not about what is happening in our lives. Peace is about who we have in our lives. As long as we have God, as long as we have Jesus, Even if it is chaotic around us, we can experience peace because we know that He is with us, He is in control, and He can always deliver us from all of our troubles. Awesome God, we are studying the names of God and today it is Jehovah Shalom, which means the God of peace. God is Jehovah Shalom. Even in the midst of troubles and opposition, in His presence, we can always find perfect peace. And I pray that as we are here in His presence today, we would receive the peace that He is pouring out abundantly in our hearts. Let's pray. Lord, we thank You. Thank You so much for this wonderful gift to be in Your presence. And I lift up to You each and every person listening to this preaching right now. I pray that right now, You will speak to each and every one of us as you have spoken to Gideon. Allow us to see ourselves the way you see us. Be the one to take away in our minds the brands, the names that have been given to us, all those lies by the enemy that were planted that paralyzed us from embracing your purposes. Lord, today I pray that you speak to your people, your destiny for them. And it is not for us to act defeated, Thank you that you are reminding us that in you, we already have the victory, whatever it is that we are facing. Thank you that you are reminding us that you are an awesome God who is bigger than our problems, who is bigger than our enemies, who is bigger than all of our troubles. I pray that you infuse a fresh perspective in the hearts of your people. Breathe in new purpose. Allow us to see how you want us to go about our situations. Give us the faith, the boldness, the power to be able to step out of our comfort zones and do what you are asking us to do, not just for ourselves, but also for the people around us. And Lord, may you alone be glorified. May you alone be seen. And even as we step into the battlefield to do things that we are not comfortable with, thank you that you will give us the peace, reminding us that it's not about us. It's not about our power. It's not about what we can do, but what you can do in our lives. Once again, O Lord God, even as early as now, we are already praising you. We are already worshiping you, thanking you, because we know that whatever it is that we are facing in our lives, we already have our breakthroughs. We already have the victory because we have you, Jesus Christ, in our lives. Once again, we thank you for this time. Thank you for that reminder. In Jesus' mighty name, we pray. And everyone say, amen and amen. Subscribe and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Feel free to share this message with your friends too. For more information about our church, visit our website at www.victoryalamang.church.